thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's On The Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst, Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then. Now, on with today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin. And I am very delighted today to be joined by a man. I'm a big fan of his work. And get this, he visited all 30 uh, stadiums just over a month ago. 30 stadiums in 30 days. And uh, I can only imagine that would leave you quite thirsty. Tom Grassi, welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you so much for having me. I am very, very excited to be here. <laughs> I'm delighted to have the opportunity to to talk to you. And like, I I feel, I, and I said this to you before, right? we're a nation of storytellers in Ireland, and we're also a bit mad. And we come up very often with mad ideas. And very often, you know, you could be out with your, your friends and you're having a couple of pints and an idea comes and before you, you know it, you find yourself in situations. Is, is that like, how did the how did the 30 in 30 idea come about? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit mad, like just a bit. Um, that came about, it, so here's the thing. It's like a two-pronged story. So the first one being, so the character is like, I, I portray a bunch of different characters like on my channel, like Wildflower and all that great stuff. And they've been around since 2020. So they've been around for a while and some have been even longer. And I always thought of the idea, like it would be really funny to go down to DC, like dressed as Wildflower, like go to the nation's capital, like go to FedEx field, like and do like a skit, you know, like shoot a video. And I've had that idea for a few years and I was like, yeah, this could be good. And I just never got a chance to do it. And I'm in the shower on Valentine's day of this year and I'm washing my hair and the idea pops in my head again. And I was like, oh, there it is again. You know, it happens. And then as I'm washing my hair, I was like, well, what if I did all 30 stadiums? But people have done that before, right? People have done it in like a, a season. People have done it, you know, they, they whatever. I was like, well, what if I do it in 30 days? <laughs> so I'm just in the shower column, like just washing my hair. And I was like, that seems like a really good idea. There's, it's going to be a logistical nightmare, which, spoilers, it was. But I, I came up with the idea, and from February, I, I just hit the ground running to try and make it work. And here we are a month later, and I think it worked out pretty well. I love that most of us have like Im imaginary arguments in the shower, where you come up with that witty comeback to something your boss said, or you imagine, like, back to your, your school days and what you could have done to the, the school bully. No, Al Grassi thinks that why not do 30 stadiums in, in 30 days? And, you know, there will be plenty of people kind of uh, listening to, to this talk and be familiar with you. But for, for those who, who are familiar with the epic undertaking, uh, talk to us about some of the the highlights that, and moments maybe that were in like you can laugh at now. Yeah, but at the time, you you know, it was world ending. Yeah, this, so there's so many, I got to be very honest with you, because just the planning process 
was insane of just going through this and like, how is I going to make this work? Because I have some connections with the Packers, you know, and in Mark Murphy, but for the majority of teams, I, I mean, I cover them. Like I talk about them. I'll do sketches about them. You know, we'll break down videos. I'll stream their games. I know their fan bases really well, but I'm just a dude in my basement, right? Who makes football videos. So I don't have connections with a lot of these teams. So it started off where I was like, okay, well, can I do this logistically? Let's plan out the route. Let's see what this would look like. I would need somebody to go with me, which wound up being Johnny Barks. Shout out to him. And to do this, I was like, okay, well, we're not taking any sponsorships. We're, of course, going to raise money for charity if we do this and make this a fundraising effort. And going into it, I was like, okay, I can drive to a bunch of these places so I don't have to fly everywhere so I can save some money and do all that great stuff. But by the end of it, I think we took maybe like 25 flights, I think was was roughly what it was. I think we drove maybe a handful of times. And there were some moments where I didn't know if we were going to be able to do this. Like day three, when we were in Chicago, that was the day that the first video was going to come out. We were filming already for two-ish days. Uh, we filmed in Green Bay, then we filmed in Minnesota. And when we got to Chicago, we were like, okay, this was June 1st, was the first video that was going to come out. We've been working on it for three days. And everything that could have possibly went wrong, went wrong. The internet speed was five megabytes per second. So it took an hour and a half to upload the video. There was issues editing the video. I got stranded a mile and a half away from the hotel and I had to run the entire time. Like I'm in full jeans in the middle of the summer because I thought I'd be able to catch an Uber. I was wrong. When we went to go raid a local business, uh, they were all closed and there was none near. Like the closest one was 30 minutes away. And when we finally uploaded the video, there were audio issues for some users. So it, all that happened. And then at 1130 at night, I got to eat for the first time that day. And I, I ate something with dairy in it and I had an allergic reaction. So like that was like the cherry on top of this Sunday that was Chicago. And I'm sitting there and I was like, well, this was like day one of videos and I'm looking at Johnny and we're both looking at each other like, like we got a month to go, <laughs> like a full, we got 29 other videos to put out. And thankfully Detroit was next because Detroit turned out to be an amazing city. Um, but like that was like just some of the early challenges. And then day six, Colin, I jumped through a table. So I, I, <laughs> I jumped through a table in Buffalo it, on gravel, in which I thought it was grass. I thought I did enough prep work that it was grass. But, I mean, I tore my elbow up. You still see the scar that's, like, kind of, like, still there. It's fading a little bit. Like, I destroyed my back. I still feel it today. And, like, I was like, okay, this was day six. I got 24 more days to go. Um, and that was just the first week. So, yeah, it was um, it was a challenge. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I love the the energy, the enthusiasm. I mean, it, a lot of it, like, I mean, it, it's so infectious and you can see it, like the authenticity shines through. But like when you're describing it, it just, it does sound like wild college night sex. I mean, I, I, we had the idea and jumped through a table and actually yeah. it turned out to be concrete rather than grass. And whoops. Yeah. It's just like, you can't do it. So that, because we held fan events in every single city, and that was like the first insane fan event. There was 150 people. There was media that was there. We had drones flying in the air, like to get aerial views of me jumping through a table in Buffalo, where I've been like twice in my entire life. And people are chanting Grassi. And I'm like, well, I can't not jump through a table. Like, this is what's going to happen. And like, it was funny 
don't get me wrong, but like I jump through a table, I am gushing blood for my elbow, my back is in shambles. Like it is, there's a lot of pain there. And as soon as I'm done with that, like I had to do an interview, I did, we did three and a half hours of signing to make sure everybody got a signature or a picture. Then we went to the hotel for literally five minutes, then went to do another interview, then there's fan events. And we missed our plane the following day. And I had to drive six hours and 48 minutes from Buffalo to Foxborough with my back like that, my elbow still bleeding to get to the next fan event. And like, we just did that kind of stuff every day for a month. And it wasn't until like, I, I stopped home on day eight for a few hours and I, I slept in my own bed for three hours. It was really, really nice. And I slept in my own bed. And before I went to bed, like I I stopped for the first time, like stopped moving so quickly and all that stuff. And my body like had a panic of like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is craziness. Like you shouldn't be traveling every single day. And that was only eight days in. And we did it for like, I had to trick my brain to be like, oh, okay. When we get to the hotel, you know, I'll be able to nap. I never napped. When we get to like tomorrow, that'll be an easy day. There were no easy days. Like it was madness for a month, but it was such an experience that legitimately changed my life and I had never been so happy doing that because it was just it was just perfect like it was so good it was, we did it for a great cause and to meet everybody and to do things that I never thought I'd get a chance to do like I couldn't ask for more a couple of things to about one I suppose how similar that is just to adult life where you keep telling yourself if I get through this week things will calm down and then it'll be fine yeah. um but also and we talk rightly sometimes about like the perils of social media and, and some of the things social media has, has done, but social media can be so brilliant. Like it created this, this community that rallied around you. And I yeah. think that the people that came out, like you have, you've generated something and social media has helped you to create that community. Yeah. That was the thing that stood out to me the most. And I mentioned this in the last video, you know, there, I, had four months to plan this, right? So there was a lot of methodical planning that went into this of like, okay, if Pat McAfee decides to reach out, I want to make sure that I'm there during a weekday. So that's why I'm there on a Monday. If Rich Eisen gets involved, I need to make sure I leave enough time. If the NFL wants to get involved, like literally leaving these kind of just gaps, which is why every night before I went to bed, I booked the hotel and the flight for the next day because I had to leave room because I had, I'd hoped that teams got involved. Because when we started, there was only six teams that said yes. And if you're doing a 30 and 30 and going to all 30 NFL stadiums, it's going to be really rough if 24 of them say no. And that's a lot of time to try and fill. And by the time we were done, we had 18 teams that welcomed us, which was amazing. And the thing that I couldn't predict or account for were the fans. You know, this is, I live in New York. And as a Packers fan, I've gotten recognized in New York maybe five times since 2015 like it's it's very now I don't go out a ton but like it's it's not you know it doesn't happen very often and then I'll go to Green Bay during training camp and practices and some games and it'll happen like every day there there'll be a few people here and there and when I got to Green Bay like the first story of the first fan event was me turning to Johnny as we're walking to Lambeau and I go dude how many people are going to be here like legitimately like how many people are going to come out for a YouTuber who makes football content like in his basement and Johnny's like 12, maybe. And I was like, I don't know. That might be a little bit high. I don't know if it's going to be 12. And there was like 40 people that were there. And 
from there, you know, like there is okay, like there was there was some in Minnesota and Detroit and Chicago, but you you anticipate that because they're division rivals. Okay, I get some Bears fans, I get some Vikings fans, Lions fans, but then we go to Cleveland, which is a non-divisional city, and like I have no affiliation with, and there's 35, 40 people there. And I was like, are there are there going to be people like everywhere, like in every city? Oh, there were. It's like there we got to the point where there were close to 300 people at some of these fan events. And like, yeah, the community that's been created, you know, on YouTube, me doing this since 2015. That's the thing I'm the most proud of because I know how generous the community was because we do fundraisers. We raised about one hundred and two thousand dollars last year for various charities. Um, It was about eighty one thousand the year before. So like, it's very giving, you know, and that I never asked for money from, you know, subscribers or anything. It all goes to charity. And so. That's one thing, but to actually physically come out is like people driving four hours, six hours, taking buses, flying in, going from different fan events or different fan events to different cities. That I could have never anticipated, and I think it really just like showed, one, like how great football fans can be, but two, as you were alluding to, like how amazing it can be to build a community where like the intentions are just to raise money for kids with cancer. Yeah, and, and just how, you know, real life and, and online life can bleed together and, and create something beautiful, you know? Um, now, now, I suppose looking at, you know, real life and, and online life um, and your Packers fandom, your reaction video to Jordan Love being drafted has like almost 2 million views. And we are now sitting here we are a, a month or so out from Jordan Love being the, the Packers starter um, we got a little taste of it last year although I think we, we, we probably focused on the fact that you know the, the Chiefs sat his mother in the car park beside the stadium <laughs> than actually sitting her anywhere to allow her to see her son throw the football but you know what is it like to be sitting there as a, a Packers fan in the post Aaron Rodgers era? Because it it kind of a bit like the Brett Favre, like it it it, it came to an end and it sputtered to life again, and now it's finally ended. Yeah, it's very strange to be honest because this will be the third time in my life that there will be a new starting quarterback for the Packers in September, not named Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's a crazy stat. Like, I'm going to be turning 33 this September, and this is the third time this has happened since I've been a fan. I've been a fan since I was six years old. So it's always this weird thing, and I feel like Brett Favre was that QB, and I feel like this is a lot of how Packers fans got into being Packers fans, whether it was from their parents, but it was Brett Favre. Right. The way he played the game, it was very like childlike. You know, you went out there, you had a good time. Obviously, there's stuff going on now, which we're not going to get into that. But the point is, is that when he left, I was like, okay, like that was the QB of my childhood. And that like broke me when he did chats. I was like, okay, eh, whatever. But when he goes to the Vikings, destroyed. Rodgers comes in and is this good. We win a Super Bowl relatively quickly, you know, as soon as he takes over as the starter. And I'm like, oh man, like we're gonna, we're gonna win more of these. Like I'm, I'm maybe I'll be able to go to one. Like this is gonna be crazy, and we never go back to another Super Bowl. So, I, I was explaining this to somebody yesterday. There's two feelings here. There's relief, 
and there's excitement. So the relief is, and this will always, there's no way to explain this without coming off as like a cocky, arrogant fan. And I don't mean it like that. But the point is that when Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback, every year the expectation was that you were going to the Super Bowl, right? That Every single time that you were in contention to win the Super Bowl. And so through all the Giants losses, the 49ers losses, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks, which destroyed me, the you know broken collarbones, the 2020 season, the 2021 season, all of these heartbreaking exits from the playoffs, it kind of just wears you down because every year you have that expectation that you're going to win. And so last year is this weird year where they kind of like are rebuilding, but they won't say the word rebuilding and you still have Aaron Rodgers and you're like, maybe the defense is going to be really good. And so it ends like that. We don't go to the playoffs. And so now we're sitting here without Aaron Rodgers, with Jordan Love, which as you mentioned, like there are so many question marks. You just don't know, right? He had the start against the Chiefs, but then he came in for the Eagles game and had that throw to Christian Watson who scored a touchdown. You've seen glimpses of like, oh, okay, preseason you've seen a few you know he's been injured for some of them but the relief is like I don't have Super Bowl expectations this year because I just don't know what's going to happen and for like the first time and again this is where like that it sounds very arrogant and cocky but I'm very genuine in that like I get to be like hey if they make the playoffs like do you know how happy I'm gonna be because I have no expectations and that's not even negative it's more of just like I don't know what this team is gonna look like there's room for optimism and there's room for concern and then there's question marks. So that's where like that relief comes in of like, I'm excited just to watch without the expectation of anything because I haven't been able to do that in a while. And then the excitement thing is for everything I've been talking about because, you know, we have every single one of our wide receivers except one is under the age of 25. We have a young team, the defense, which we have invested so much talent in. Is this finally the year? Is Jordan Love going to be good? How good of a coach is Matt LaFleur? Like all these questions, we're going to get some type of answer to them. And for me, that's super exciting. I am insanely jealous of the fact that, you know, you are on your third starting QB. As you all know from our our, our, our friend Brandon Parnash, that is not the case with my franchise. And also the fact that, you know, at, at, you know you're like, oh, I don't have Super Bowl expertise. We make the playoffs. That'd be nice. My team was so bad last yeah. year. The NFL allowed Amazon to change the rules this year yeah. and flex games from Thursday. That's how bad we and we were. We weren't and we weren't just bad. We were we were boring. So yeah, um, you know things things for for Packers fans. I mean, you you are like there are some Packers fans I think who feel like you know that the the sky has fallen. Um, but much like Chicken Little, I feel it will probably be uh okay. I am wondering, like, you know, because this is the the time of the year where, say, the media side of things, right, is just in in hyper overdrive. Everyone's yeah. fantastic, et cetera, et cetera. But for you, um, when you look at the league, and what what are the things that intrigue you, Tom, about like twenty twenty three? And that can be positive or negative. It can be a coach, a player. It can be a decision that, that it can be a rookie. It can be a free agent acquisition that you kind of, that you're going, wow, that could be really great. Or, oh my goodness, why did they pay that person that money? And that is a horrendous mistake. They should never. Have yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they, there's kind of like two, of course there's the Jordan Love storyline, right? Like that's going to get the majority of the focus from the media. He's going to constantly get compared to Aaron Rodgers, which I'm very happy the team, like it's a young team. And a lot of the team like is, has gravitated towards Jordan Love, has basically said like, hey, you don't got to be Aaron Rodgers, like just be yourself. And I love that message because you know the media, the minute that Jordan Love struggles, it's going to be compared to Aaron Rodgers and how he's doing. You know that because that's just how the media works, right? So my big thing is, of course, Jordan Love, Joe Barry, who is the Packers defensive coordinator, who for me is like, this is your last, last, last chance because there was a lot of criticism of him coming in and being hired because it's like, why didn't you go for like that young guy? Because Joe Barry's track record's not that great. And again, the run defense and just the defense as a whole has not lived up to expectations. And so you're hoping that maybe you're going to see that next step this year because otherwise you're going to have to be starting over with a new defensive coordinator, I think, next year. But the other story that I'm really, really keen on is Matt LaFleur because Matt LaFleur is often not mentioned in conversations when it's best coaches in the league because he had Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, you put 13, three seasons could be the number one seed in the NFC for two years in a row. Back-to-back NFC Championship games, you know, three playoffs in a row, three playoff appearances in a row, all that stuff. But it's like, well, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, so you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna get, you know, any accolades for that. Now it's like, okay, well, what does Matt Lafleur bring to the table? What kind of offense is he going to implement with a young QB? You have two really good running backs. What is this team going to look like? What is their identity going to be? Is it going to be just supporting Jordan Love and leaning on the run game? Is it going to be using Jaden Reed, who's a brand new rookie, and using him in jet sweeps a lot like you've seen in camp? That's kind of, I'm just excited to see a different Green Bay Packers team, which could be negative, like they could be bad, right? But I think that it's like having an empty box, right? And you're just like, well, anything could be in that box. That is the 2023 Green Bay Packers. Anything could be in the box. Let's hope it's not the box from seven. No. <laughs> I, I, I was saying, uh, you know, joking, just before we started recording about like some of the like imaginations, uh, you know, yeah. and, and we, we actually did a, a kind of a podcast uh, just a couple of days ago um, about sli- we call them sliding doors moments after a movie involving Gwyneth Paltrow, which is over here. And they do kind of it, in one in like if basically two sides to the movie and then one she makes the tube in London that she's trying to make and then the other she misses it and they kind of show that yeah what if could have happened and I kind of said to you like imagine if Nicolas Cage was playing linebackers for the Dallas Cowboys and and, and what a, a fantastic story like that would be and also just imagining Nick Cage's interactions with Jerry Jones and, and Cowboys' uh, media writ large uh, do you have a, a what if or an imagine if uh, that that you would uh, like to or you you think could be fun for the NFL? I mean, there. Here's the thing. Mine. A lot of them just. <laughs> a lot of them are going back in time and changing plays for the Green Bay Packers so they don't embarrassingly miss the playoffs or you know get eliminated from the playoffs. But I think there's. It's really interesting for. Like, what if stories, the number one thing I always gravitate towards is quarterbacks. Like, you have, like, Patrick Mahomes, right? You look at Patrick Mahomes, undeniably the number one quarterback in the league. 
right? Like you can't. Like you can be like, oh yeah, Joe Burrow's really good. Josh Allen's really good. You know, Jalen Hurts is good. Rogers, whatever. But Mahomes is the guy. What if Mahomes is like was drafted by the Bears, right? If he took Mitch Trubisky's spot, he's drafted there like number two. Does is Patrick Mahomes still Patrick Mahomes? Those are always the things that I really lean towards because it's a really interesting road to like go down because it's it's like always that like that nature nurture kind of argument, right? Like from psychology. But at the same time, it's like, okay, a lot of QBs go to like really good QBs or really like highly touted prospects go to bad teams because that's how the NFL works, right? Joe Burrow went to the worst team in the league at the time, which was the Bengals. He's turned that entire franchise around. Trevor Lawrence, he went to the Jaguars. That first year under Urban Meyer, he wasn't that good, right? That team was not good. Then you actually get a real coach in there who knows what they're doing. And look, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars have a much better season. They make the playoffs last year all the way to the divisional round. So those like what ifs are always fascinating to me because you could even have like the Aaron Rodgers argument because there was a long time that Aaron Rodgers was expected to be the number one overall pick for the 49ers instead of Alex Smith. So like that's one I always lean towards because nobody thought the Packers would be drafting a QB. So like how much longer does Brett Favre stay in the league? How long does he stay with the Packers? I mean, that's like my number one what is. It's like what happens to these elite QBs if they go to other destinations? Yeah, I mean that that's it's a it's a very interesting question. I mean, for and we've we've discussed it a little bit on on this show because I think Mahomes would still be um, Mahomes esque, but I don't think he'd be the same player. I think having Andy Reid right up that offensive mind, fighting the system because a big part of it is your talent and your ability, but ending up in the right landing spot. With the coach to support you, sometimes it's not even the bad team. It's about having a coach who, be- who believes and he puts you in uh, the right situation. And I think that plays a huge role in, in everything, depending on where you go, except for Eli Manning, because I believe that Eli Manning was predestined to beat Tom Brady in those Super Bowls. And the Chargers missed out because if Eli Manning had gone there, it wouldn't have been the Super Bowl, it would have been the AFC Championship. But for some reason, the universe decided Eli is destined. And I don't, I can't explain that. I don't know why that is, but you just look at Eli's face and you go, yeah, there's a man who was destined to take probably rings that maybe his brother should have got, but ultimately yeah. went to Eli. Yeah. I mean, you talk, and it's, of course, it's like uh, the irony, right? Like Matt Nagy is now with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who could have drafted him. So <clears throat> it's this weird, like, irony because you mentioned coaching, and I think it also goes beyond, right, like, offensive line. Like, you have an offensive line that's, like, bad and you're a rookie. Like, you learn, you could learn, like, really bad traits. You know, you're constantly under pressure. You can get hurt. You know, like, and you, what that happens, like, you could be done. And I think that, you know, it just also shows how insanely gifted these athletes are because you have guys that could wreck college, set records, do all these things, and then they come into the NFL and they're out of the league within how many years, right? And I think, like, for a number of reasons, of course, but it, there's only, you know, a thousand plus people on this planet that can be in the NFL. And I think just like we take that for granted a lot. And out of that thousand plus people, there's what? maybe 
a handful, maybe six to seven elite quarterbacks, that's that's a pretty crazy statistic. Yeah, I I, I remember seeing um, uh, a tweet that said that before the Olympics, right, before each of the events, they should just get a normal human being, somebody like me to take part, just so you understand what it is. And that's why I think last year, um, or maybe it was in the off season, there were a lot of kind of could could you throw, uh, you know, uh, three passes or three completions in yeah. the the NFL, and I'm like, I, I again, I saw this at my team. There was an athlete, a Kendall Hinton, had to start yep. because the Broncos QBs uh, lied to the league about, <laughs> yep. uh, you know, social distancing, etc. And this guy who had played QB in college, right, ended up okay, came into these wide receiver, but had played and had a pass completion rate in college above fifty percent. Yep, and the the guy. Just, just made a completion. Ah, completion. Not a number, Tom. Yeah. Ah, completion. One. And people think that they could, like, you know, Barry, who's da- who's down the pub and drinks 13 at uh, Coors Light, thinks that, yeah, I could get in there and, ah, uh, don't worry, I wouldn't. Aaron Donald's coming to take my head off. No, nah, I could do it. And he's like, sure, Barry, you definitely could. Where does that delusion come from? How how do we as humans have that? I think it's kind of like that comfortability, right? Because you get that with so many things. And I feel like you get that for every aspect of sports. Like you sit there and the more comfortable you get, whether it's with the terminology or with a team or knowing the players, like you'll sit there and be like, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have called that play. Oh, oh they should fire this guy. Like, we have no idea. Like we like like let's be very brutally honest. Like I live football. I love football. It is my favorite sport. I love the Packers. I like to think I know a lot about them. But like I scratch the surface of what these guys actually do. Not just their athletic ability, which is insane. Like so Kurt Benkert, for example. So I caught some passes from an NFL QB, which was Kurt Benkert, right? He's a third string guy. Like he's a practice squad player. And he was throwing that ball like 58 miles an hour. Like he was throwing and they were difficult to catch. Like I think I can throw a ball hard. There I cannot compare. So I think it's just you get in this comfortability and then you even like with drafting, like I have draft prospects that like I fall in love with and I'm like, "Oh man, I really want the Packers to draft them." Like, Darnell Washington was my guy this year. Brian Branch was my guy this year. And when they didn't draft, I'm like, what are we doing? But that's just the frustration. It hasn't gotten to the point of, like, I know better than Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Green Bay Packers. I know. But there are people out there that are like, no, like, I know better. And to be fair, to be fair, there are some people that are in the league that you're like, I don't know how much you're doing. But even, like, Jeff Saturday... Him being hired as an interim NFL coach and everybody laughing and being like, that's really bad. Or Urban Meyer, who got kicked out of the league halfway through the season because he was kicking players, right? He was doing all these things. That guy still has an immaculate collegiate record. And on top of that, like, is a well-respected coach in college before he went to the NFL. Like, they know so much more about football than we could ever hope to know. We can get close. We can get insights. We can do all that stuff. But and the reality is, we don't know. Oh uh, well, I I know that I I run 
from danger and towards food. I know that me on an NFL field, no, 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 no matter where yeah. you line me up, it, this this would last all of three seconds before I fell down holding my cast, being like, oh, I, I need to be carted off here, and then waves to the crowd from the car, perhaps. Yeah, that, that would probably be what I would do. Um, Tal, this has been a lot of fun. Um, as I said, there will be a lot of people listening who are familiar with you and, and your work. But for those who aren't familiar, where can they find you? Uh, it's at Tom Grassi Comedy pretty much everywhere. So if you, for some reason you want to see this guy again, you can find it all on the social medias and all on the YouTube stuff. But no, this was fantastic. I, I really appreciate you having me. Uh, I, I do love Ireland. I I didn't go, I, I drove around the entire country about 2016, 2017, and I cannot wait to go back and been meeting to for quite some time. So I just don't Tell me, so tell, tell me, get, get wet our appetite a little bit. Where where did you visit? What did you see? Irish people love to hear about people visiting and what, what did you enjoy? Oh, no, they're like everything so i went there yeah i went there for 12 days i'm pretty sure it was 2016 excuse me if i have the, the, the year wrong it was a while ago um so it was 2016 uh went to dublin and literally rented a car and the, the first time so that was my first time driving on the other side of the road and that didn't bother me that didn't bother me whatsoever it was driving on the other side of the car that i just got off a six-hour flight they don't sleep on planes and they just give me the keys and they're like okay welcome and driving through the streets of Dublin and trying to like navigate, I was like, okay, this is probably the most stressed I've ever been driving. But by the end, like I'm driving on like goat passes, like one lane roads, which are not one lane roads, like driving through the countryside. Yeah, no, I literally went all the way down, like to the south, all the way up to the north. And it was just beautiful. Like everything about it, it was beautiful, but it was the people. I mean, I said that a lot in 30 and 30, but like just the people were like so kind, so welcoming and, yeah, no, I loved every single second of it. There was this huge bike event that was going on. Like, there was a huge cycling race that was going on, I think, in, like, a, was like where was it? Was it Killarney, maybe, that was, like, going on? Um, there was, like, a huge cycling event that was going on. It was just, like, beautiful. Like, the sights were amazing. Yeah, well, I'm delighted to hear that you made it down. I'm from Cork, originally. My mother is from Kerry. Uh, so delighted that you made it down and up north and got to see the island. And certainly we would welcome you back on any occasion that you would like to, to visit here. But for now, Tom Gassi, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.